Welcome to the Weight Loss Podcast, where we offer solutions to the obstacles you face when it comes to achieving your health and fitness goals. As a married couple who's lost a combined weight of 100 kilograms and 11 clothes sizes, our raw, real, and relatable stories will show you the path you must walk to achieve, and more importantly, maintain the results you know you can reach, because we know it works. So get ready to share the success and show the results with your hosts, Matt and Courtney. Yes, hello, welcome. Season six continues and we've got to what is, I think, or at least I'll speak for myself here, our favourite part of each season, which is, well, your questions. So as always, I'm Matt. Nothing's changed there. With me is Courtney. Hello. How are you going? Nothing's changed here either. No, nope. <laughs> business as usual here. So, okay, I'll be real quick about this. End of each season, we take questions from our Facebook group, our Facebook page, our Instagram page, emails that we've received, and we answer them. So uh, we, don't, we don't do much prep for this. We like to sort of take it off the cuff. Uh, so, Courtney, I'll read. We answer. Yep. First question comes from Holly. Uh, this one's from Instagram, uh, the Weight Loss Podcast on Instagram. Just putting that out there. I have been logging all my food and exercise for over a couple of months now and it was commented that I eat too many carbs that average around 45% of my diet. I know that everyone is different, but what are the optimal ranges? It has been suggested I go down to 20%. Now, Courtney, you are the master of macros and macro counting. Go. I am not. (laughs) Not what I thought you would say. (laughs) You have been a macro counter as long as I've known you. You know all the ranges, so drop the knowledge. Okay. No. I, you know I'm not. What's your answer? You know I'm not. I'm not a macro counter, so. <laughs> no, that, that comes. Here's an easy answer. We have no idea. Like, that shit's not relevant. Honestly, it's, it's not. It's, Yeah. We can't comment on this, can we? We don't. We don't do this personally. We don't get our clients to do this. Like we, it's, it's really hard as well because when you say carbs, I, I don't really know what sort. Um, well, let's just assume carbs is carbs. I mean, carbs also include. I mean, technically, like processed carbs. Well, well, I would actually go further because vegetables are carbs. Well, that that's why I don't don't really know. Um, well, I, my answer to this would be: this is not necessary. This this sort of this sort of tracking. I, I mean, I, I guess I would say, unless you are um, getting ready to to compete in a bodybuilding contest or or a physique competition, which my next question would be, why the fuck are you listening to us? But for for the people that we work with and people like us, this just isn't necessary. This is yeah, this is the sort of one percenter that's like, mate, if you if you've got your habits down, Pat. And you've got healthy, consistent routines, and you're consistently making good choices that are congruent with your goals. You don't need to worry about this crap. That's that's my answer. Yeah, but I guess if it depends as well. It depends if Holly's. I mean, asking. We don't know whether she's asking because she's plateauing, or whether she's just trying to find out what's the best solution and move forward. I mean, I think if you're plateauing, I think there's always room then to. Um, look a bit deeper into what you're doing. Well, um, the solution to plateauing tends to be greater consistency. Well, yes. Um, but I think if if you, Holly, are happy with the way things are going and you're seeing results and you're – I wouldn't – yeah, I wouldn't worry about changing anything. Uh, I, I completely agree with that because also when you look at it's being commented that I eat too many carbs, uh, hashtag noise. Yeah. That sounds like noise. If if what you're doing is working out well, then keep doing what you're doing. If you're not as Courtney said, if you're plateauing and you're not getting where you want to get to, um, I can tell you your issues will not be your carb ratios. It'll be something else related to consistency, habits, etc. Exercise. Yep. Well, um yeah, you know. Next one? Yep. She also asks Is my heart rate uh, expected to increase a lot when lifting weights? As my resting heart rate averages 70 beats per minute and maybe, if lucky, gets to 109 beats per minute, if I'm doing deadlifts, only gets to around 120. I worry as I physically can't lift more. 
So is my heart rate expected to increase when lifting weights? Uh, yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. What it gets to, like it's just dependent on the person, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it doesn't matter what it gets to. But, it, I mean, it will increase. Yeah. I mean, my, I, I know for me at least, depending on – now, this depends on the day in terms of what muscle groups I'm working and also it can be specific to what exercises I'm doing and also the intensity mm. that I'm going at. Yeah, my, it could be like my heart could be just pounding like a cardio session. That's just me. Yeah, I, I've never, I've never tracked mine, so I don't know. Uh, I've never, I've never tracked mine during a weightlifting session. I could, I just know it because I can feel it. Like it's, like I can feel it, like you know, um, in my vein popping oh, yeah. in, in my neck. But also, like I'm really stuffed. Yeah, I don't. I, I honestly don't think that how hard you. are your heart is beating during the exercise matters. I think that well, it's if, not really if, you're, to weights. if you're lifting as much as you possibly can, Holly, well, then that's perfect. Yeah. Um, heart rate during a weight training session isn't a metric I pay attention to. I pay attention to am I, am I gradually getting stronger? Am I gradually improving at things like my posture, my range of motion, etc.? cetera? Uh, but also am I giving it my best? Yeah. Regardless of any anything else, if you walk out of the gym and it's like, well, I couldn't have gone any harder, you win. Yeah. Remember as well, depending on the session you're doing in the gym, you're not going to come out like puffing and sweating and and you, you probably feel like you could be doing more, but it just depends. Like I did yesterday, I did a shoulder session at the gym. We both did. It was both yeah. that, that, for both of us yesterday. Shoulder session would be my easiest session of the week. Me too. Without question, yeah, definitely. So I've got four exercises and they're very much, after I do shoulder press, the other three are kind of like your your little muscles. Except for dips. Oh, yeah, dips. That's They're hard too. So after dips, yeah. So probably the last two. But Look at it this way. What you're getting at, at is it's not leg day. It's not leg day and, and even shoulder press. I mean, it's it's tough at the time, but it's still not deadlifts. It's not taxing like deadlifts or no. those fucking split squats. You, you're yeah. working with smaller muscle groups. Yeah. So I came out of the gym yesterday. I mean, could I have done more? Yeah, but it wasn't on my program. I did what my program said and I tried the hardest at, at each one that I did. But because you're walking out and only my arms are sore because I only did, you know, upper body shoulder stuff – of course, I'm walking out feeling okay because my legs feel great. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like you, you feel okay. You feel tired and you feel like you've worked out, but you feel okay. I wasn't puffing. I wasn't super sweaty, but that was what I that was what my program called for, and that's what I did. Yep. And there's room for those sort of workouts as well. Well, there has to be. It's not always about um, crushing yourself head to toe no. and having to crawl out of the gym every mm. session. That's not not. That's not necessarily conducive to stimulating, you know, like a, a metabolic improvement or no. a body composition improvement. So you are correct, and to be fair, I am correct. Uh, you give it your best shot, and if you've walked out knowing you're giving it your best shot, boom, done. Yep. Whatever the whatever the heart rate is is. Yeah. Yes. Next one. Yes. So Laura in our Facebook group has sent a few questions. Actually, no, I'm going to upgrade it from a few to a bunch. Okay. So, number one, what do you do when you're sick and or have a muscle injury? I recently have been dealing with both and I'm just destroyed that I'm missing my training sessions and sports-related activities. Yeah, it can be. It can really suck. I think sickness and muscle injury, I think you have to sort of separate because they both come with, to me, slightly different approaches. If you are genuinely sick, sometimes you can you you can um, do more damage than good by continuing to um, exercise at a really high level. Well, keeping in mind that intense exercise does suppress the immune yeah. system. So if you're already sick, yeah, yeah, some people can get away with it. Some people can go to the gym and still exercise while they're sick and push forward. We're saying, though, if you are sick, just stay home. I would recommend at least giving yourself a couple of the worst days of your sickness of just resting, and mm-hmm. your body will thank you for it. Yep. But it doesn't mean that you – I'm saying rest the entire sickness, but on the worst days, rest 
And then when you're feeling up to it, maybe go for a walk or move your body. Absolutely. Start getting some sunshine if you can or just start getting some fresh air. Get out of the house. Get out of the house. Yeah. You might not do intense exercise straight away, but you want to keep your body moving. But, yeah, for those really, really sick days, I, I would rest. In terms of a muscle injury, that's a little bit different because that would mean to me that you just need to modify what you're doing. So you can still exercise all the way through a muscle injury because you mo- you're just going to avoid that area. So you can modify your program or or whatever you're doing, your training schedule to suit. And especially if you're working with a, a physio or a some sort of physical specialist, physical which specialist, I, I would say if if there's an injury, that's the first thing I'd be doing. And they can help you modify or know what you can do what you can't do and then also often with potentially a muscle injury in my in my experience there tends to be some sort of rehab coming out of that so you can also develop your rehab routine into your exercise routine for your muscle injury that's a smart way to go about it um but also uh looking looking at things bigger picture if if one has to miss a couple of days because they're legitimately sick and feel like shit or things need to be modified because there's injuries, like, okay. Yeah. Like, move on. Yeah. It's not – things being changed or being missed for, for genuine reasons is not the end of the world. Like, think big picture here. Mm. It's not like, oh, I've got – this has to be done in the next couple of weeks or next couple of months. Like, no. No. You've got the rest of your life here. Yeah. And it can be – I understand, though, where it can be upsetting because you sort of get into a bit of a rhythm and a bit of a flow and you're excited, Mm -hmm. and then it can be frustrating. It can be, but there also needs to be a combination of understanding the circumstance of the situation and also understanding that, well, what can I do? Yes, that's the biggest question to ask. So when you're going through that and you are feeling upset and frustrated and deflated, the the, the best thing you can do for yourself is to ask yourself, well, what can I be doing? Yeah, absolutely. That's, I mean, I've I've had I've had some some decent injuries, um, and it's it's always for my attitude has been well, okay, I know what I can't do. What can I do? Mm. And I work within those boundaries. Yeah, because for a lot of it, at least from my perspective, it's just keeping the habit up in some form. Yeah, well, I mean, you went through this a couple of, a few years ago when you had surgery on your arm. Mm. So obviously any sort of upper body training sessions were out for for quite a while. Mm, good so times. Matt still went to the gym every week and did lower body. Lower body, um, like, you know, bike work, like just I, I moved. Yep. I moved. So Ab work. Walking, yeah. Yep, things that just, you know, didn't involve arms. And I was you know, obviously doing my rehab program mm-hmm. um, and found that that rehabilitation was a lot faster than anticipated a hell of a lot faster than yeah. anticipated. Uh, but it's, it's again, the mindset is, well, what can I do? Establish the boundaries and just keep the habit up. Yes. Next one? Yes. This next one's a good question. Uh, real good. What kind of treats do you give yourself each week? Curious what you consider to be treats. I do small daily treats like a piece of dark chocolate or a handful of chips and then one bigger one, usually something like a good donut or real ice cream on a weekend day. Yeah. I mean, that's there's no right or wrong, I think. like that's If that's what works for you, then great, and you're able to sustain that. Um, well, also, if it's not holding you back. Yeah. For, for us... Speak for yourself. I've got, my, I've got something for myself to yeah. go through here. I don't know necessarily whether I have some, <coughs> a, a specific routine daily, Um Definitely every week I would have chocolate every week. Not necessarily spread it over daily. Like it might be like a Friday night I buy, you know, a block of dark chocolate and I would spread that out over maybe Friday, Saturday, Sunday, something like that. Um, yeah, maybe, you know, have have some ice cream if it's just, if we're going out for dinner or something like that. Not that we go out for dinner anymore, but... Yeah, I don't know. I don't think I have a, like a set pattern for mine. I don't. I don't plan treats anymore. No. Um, I've found that the more work I've put into my staple foods, 
the less I've personally found the need to go, oh, well, I've got to, I've got to have a treat or I've got to have a cheat. Mm. Um, I do, I like Courtney, I do like chocolate. Um, some things never change. Yeah. I do like a quality gelato, very much so. Uh, also, some things never change. Um, I do like a quality fruit yogurt. Yeah. As well. Um, I want to make a comment that, just with me at least, my, my treats have been upgraded over the years. Um, so for me, years ago, a treat for me might be going out and smashing a greasy hamburger uh, or having, having a massive greasy pizza, you know, or, or a bucket of ice cream or, or a couple of packets of chips or whatever. Um, I've upgraded my treats over time to, to be more like, well, hang on, can I, can I improve at what's called fake away? So we all love takeaway foods. Like it's for a lot of us is what got us in the shit in the first place. Mm. Um, what about making my own fake away foods? So, hey, I love, I love a good KFC chicken burger, but can I make something at home that's uh, in the same ballpark in terms of taste and, and appeal to me, but maybe a little bit better in terms of nutritional value? Mm. So I've put a lot of work into upgrading my treats so i can say do i still have uh burgers yeah we make them ourselves mm-hmm. you know do i still have ice cream yes very rarely but i make my own version with my smoothie bowls here at home yeah and i have the consistency of like you know sorbet or mousse same thing with um liquid treats like i don't you know, my, my, my alcohol policy is weddings and funerals only. That's just what I do. But I, I've always had a love for fizzy drinks. That's never gone away. But I've replaced the treat of fizzy drinks, which don't work well for a diabetic, worth saying, with sparkling water. Mm. Sparkling water hits the mark. So that you know, my, my treats are very similar to what they've always been. I just put more work into making them more nutritious. And I suppose for me, just being like, you know what? I'm backing myself and in some cases backing us because I get Courtney's help with this on on making uh, better choices within those realms here at home. Mm. Does that make sense? Yes. Anything you'd like to add there? Are you comfortable with that? No, I think that covers it. Next question, what do your rest days look like? How many each week and when do you incorporate them? Why are rest days important? Good questions. Rest days are important to rest. Body needs to rest. You can't, you can't keep smashing your body day in, day out, all year at, and, and constantly striving to improve weight in the in the gym in terms of your weightlifting and not allow your body to rest rest it, it that's where you really open yourself up to fatigue injury things like that well overtraining um keep in mind intense exercise breaks the body down yes uh we're organic creatures um and training works by breaking us so we can then recover and rebuild so why is rest why is or why rest day is important because that's what gets you ready for the next training session. Yeah. Uh, so for me, my rest days look a bit different. I don't have days where I do nothing anymore. Um, this, this is purely context specific to Matt, not anyone else here. I don't have days where I do nothing. I don't like to have days when I do nothing. I did enough of nothing growing up. Mm-hmm. Where I would have days and days and days of not moving my body and shock horror, look what happened. Yeah. So for me, a rest day is a day where I don't smash myself. Mm. So I might do like a, a, a ride on a recumbent bike at a gym because there's no impact there. Yeah. You know, there's no running, there's no jumping, there's no, there's no load bearing um, on my muscles or joints, but I'm still, I'm still moving my body, but in what for me is a more gentle way. Yes. And so it might be like, yeah, I'll go, I'll go ride the bike and do like, you know, 15, 20 kilometers on the bike. And then um, put my feet up and play video games. Yep. You know? Um, so for me, me personally, and I'll let you sort of give your, your view here, Courtney, but for me, uh, my rest days are days where I'm not training intensely. So 
I do at the moment, I'm doing five days a week in the gym, mm-hmm. uh, doing weights. Um, outside of that, though, is I'm being very mindful about how much impact or load I'm getting outside of that. So I do like, I do like to ride the bike because it keeps the impact out of my body. Um, and sometimes I'll, it'll be like I might schedule in something more explosive, but that's if, if the body's feeling good for it. Yeah. Like weights are the cornerstone for me. Yep. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah. So, I mean, it's the same for my, my weight training session, um, or my t- program mm. at the moment is four days. Yeah. So four days uh, weight training and I'm doing one – one cardio at the moment, and that'll ramp up over the next couple of weeks yeah. to two. I, I structured that so it'll go up over the twelve weeks. Yep. So start started off as one with one sort of big walk or something, you know, lower intense exercise, and that'll ramp up over the coming weeks. So I'll do more cardio and just general movement. So you want yeah. to? I'll, I'll be doing something every day. So whether it just be a walk or whether it be cardio or gym um, with weights. Question for you, Courtney. Mm-hmm. Would you count um, like less intense activity as rest? I would for me now. Yep. Um, Same. I think that, you know, going back years ago, I wouldn't have. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think where my body's at now, if I go for a walk, I mean, it's pretty much a rest day. It's gentle. It's yeah. very gentle, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Yep. And I mean, depending how my body feels yeah. on that walk will depend on how maybe how far I go or, you know, um, how hard I push it, like how fast I walk and things like that. So it's also worth mentioning before we move on to the next question that in terms of why are rest days important, this goes to why is rest important. Resting and recovering is where the body actually changes. The body doesn't change during the training sessions. The training session is the stimulus. Yeah. Then what you do when you're not training, so hydration, nutrition, sleep, rest, that's what dictates the actual change, which is where you get so many people that will say, oh, well, I do so much exercise and nothing's changing. Like That's because it's not the exercise that's going to get the change here. It stimulates the change, Mm. but what drives it happens when you're not exercising. And I think the question here of when when do you incorporate the rest days, for me at the moment I tend to do mine like on a weekend day, so I might pick like a Sunday, a Saturday or a Sunday to be my rest day. Personal preference, isn't it? But, I mean, it really is personal preference. I think as well, though, I think just to be careful, like if you're you're lifting weights in the gym sort of two or three times a week, definitely try to space those out. Absolutely break them up for sure. Don't do them, you know, straight after each other because – that's just going to impact your results that you can get in the gym. Also, that if you're if you're doing if you're lifting say two to three times a week, which is a, a safe, effective number for most people, like for you, for you and me, it's a bit different. Yeah, you know, we do this for a living, and it's you know, we're a bit more advanced down the line. But for the average person, two to three times a week lifting in the gym is a really good number to aim for. Spreading it out is very smart, not just from a rest and recovery standpoint, but from a metabolic standpoint. So a, an intense uh, strength session in the gym can elevate your metabolism for literally like 48, 48 hours. Mm. Um, so then if you're then effectively spacing out your weight training sessions, you can keep your metabolism elevated. Yeah. Now, as you and I know, Courtney, elevating one's metabolism is a key to improving body composition. Yeah, absolutely. So if, I mean, I, before this program, my last couple of programs were three-day splits yep. with, um, with weight training. So I would tend to try to do them on Monday, Wednesday, Friday, just because then I could do a cardio session or even just a walk those days in between. Um, so I tend to schedule in like maybe a walk the day after leg day because I wouldn't tend to want to do a cardio session the day after leg day. Most people, um, that is very ill-advised. So, yeah. and then and then uh, like a full rest day. So if you're going to incorporate like a full rest day, no exercise at all, no walk, no nothing. I mean, I just always tended to put those on a weekend, on a Saturday or a Sunday. It's, it's personal preference. I know with you, when you, Courtney, used to work in hospitality, you would schedule it around whatever your work weekend was, yeah. which may not be a Saturday, Sunday. No, it was Monday, Tuesday. Yeah, but ultimately as well, ab- above all else, the best program is the one that you can stick to. Yes. So 
I mean, we can sit here and talk about, oh, well, this is ideal and, and raise metabolism, blah, blah, blah. Ultimately, if you can't stick with something, it's not going to work. Nah. And I mean, it might just be trial and error. You might put your rest day in a certain spot for 12 weeks and then it change defi- it. It definitely is trial and error um, without question. Yep. It's, it's Again, it comes down to, can I stick with this? Yeah. Um, yeah. Next one. Mm-hmm. When you're maintaining your weight but in a deficit for weight loss, what can you do to get the weight loss moving again? I've been hearing the phrase reverse dieting thrown around lately, and I'm wondering, what are your thoughts on that during a weight loss journey? Courtney, please tell me all about reverse dieting. I've got no idea what this is. I've heard it before. I think that it's used a lot in physique competitions. It is. Um, All the time. Yeah, they, they use reverse dieting. They do. You know why that is? Because of how fucking extreme they have to get get it going into the show. Yeah, yeah. So, and I think they use a lot of their off season to to bulk out, um, and then they have to strip all that all of their um, fat back off again. So, yeah, it's it's an interesting one. And again, like Matt said earlier, unless you're planning to compete in a physique competition, um, I I really would not put too much effort and time and energy at all into even looking up whatever reverse dieting is. Um, Unnecessary yeah. mental gymnastics for people in this space. I think, again, I think that, I mean, it's, we've said it in the past and it's no secret that, yes, when you talk, if you want to talk about the sim- very simplistic terms of, of losing weight is calories in versus calories out. Like if you want to talk about the most simplistic way to, to describe it. Oh, very reductive, yes. So, yes, I'm not saying that it's got nothing to do with deficits and things like that, but ultimately... It's very simplistic. What you're talking about here in this question is a plateau. Ah, I read the same thing, yes. So if we strip back all of the words, you're just asking what to do when you hit a plateau and, and you don't feel like anything's changing which by the way we did an episode called what to do when you hit a plateau so without recapping that entire episode i think matt mentioned it earlier in this podcast which is it's focus on your habits go back to your core habits because usually you and and look at how consistent you're being and what habits you you know you're having issues with because usually you'll find the answer in that well the answer is a couple of questions up because um, Laura's asked two questions here that secretly relate to each other. One about the treats you give yourself each day and one related to, I mean, a plateau. Somewhere within there is is the actual answer here because the thing is um, calorie counting has severe limitations because it then assumes all calories are equal. Yeah. Um, and it then also makes the mistake, as, as Courtney touched on before, with the reductive nature of, oh, well, it's just calories in, calories out. What they don't fucking tell you is that as you get more advanced, as your metabolism improves, as you get stronger, faster, fitter, leaner, your calories have to go up. Yeah. Oh, my God, heads are exploding. Yeah. They have to go up because there can be such a thing as too much of a deficit. Yes. Too much of a deficit can lead to what is called metabolic slowdown, a.k.a. plateauing. However, in this particular case, what I'm personally seeing is I'm in a plateau. Also, I like to have handfuls of chips, chocolate, donuts, and ice creams. I would just somewhere in there, and to be fair, it's not about cutting all these things out, but somewhere in there is the cause of a plateau, um, not not things yeah. like reverse dieting. Nah. You'd have to look look back at it, your accountability and just yes. get a really good idea because very very easy to, for old habits to slip in. I should I should mention. I'm glad you said that, Courtney. You said the magic A word. Yeah, it, and make sure that you're recording what you what you're doing. If you're wanting to, if you feel like you're plateauing, and you you want to see where to make the changes next, you really can't make any changes until you see everything written down. Because if it's not written down. We as humans have a very, very um, good habit of only remembering the things that it wants to remember every day. Absolutely. So even though we will remember some of the bad things that we did that day. Not all of them. Not all of them. It's a natural protective mechanism in the brain. But then you also add to that, 
that people naturally have portion distortion. Yes. We think with 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 what they're eating. Yes. So you might think that you only had one bite of something, but you actually had three of them. You know. So it's you know it's one of those things that you you really can't make any changes unless it's written down. Yeah. If this if this was one of our clients, we would go right out. Let's look at the data because the data tells you everything and you can yeah. go, righto, okay, we can see that you're letting yourself down here, 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 here and here. So Courtney's touched on the magic A word being accountability. You would need to, to look at what's happening, look at the information and if you're working with a coach, they this, this is what their job yeah. should be. And I mean, I, the easiest place to start is always with what you're currently doing. Yeah. So it is harder. I know it seems easier to go and look for something else like reverse dieting or or something else, shiny, it is harder. Shiny objects, the phrase I use. It is harder. So look, it's the easiest place to start is with what you're currently doing. Yep. And usually, if you make, you will not have to make big changes. If um if if someone is not making much improvement or they've hit a plateau, um, tracking what you're doing, you will discover. Yes. Where the issues are every single time. Yes. Our next question. Yes. I can't answer the next question too much. I haven't got much experience with it. So this will be one for you, Courtney. What are the benefits of probiotics? And what is the best way to incorporate them? I will be fully transparent. I've never taken one. I have, but I don't, I don't claim to be a expert in probiotics. I haven't actually looked into the research Behind them to the point where I would know it off the top of my head. Personal experience is all we're my, for. My personal experience with probiotics is if you, for, for me personally, if, if you've got gut, any sort of gut problems, they're great. Which you've had. Which I have had, which I continue to have. Mm. So if you're someone who struggles with digestion, if you struggle with any sort of gut function, I think that probiotics can be really helpful. Um, I would definitely encourage you to speak to somebody. Um, I, like a naturopath? Like a naturopath that would actually be able to help you because there's some other things that if you don't have working for you that at the same time, then the probiotics are just going to be an expensive um, supplement Supplement that mm-hmm. isn't going to help. So there's other things that, that also can help, you know, you be able to absorb the probiotic to the best of its ability. Um there's different forms as well. You can take it. There's powder. There's there's capsules. So I would definitely encourage you to, if you're looking into that or if you have any gut issues or you just feel like a probiotic will help you, I would definitely encourage you to either speak to a naturopath or some of the stores that sell them. I know for us here in, in Australia, in the, the town that we live in, I don't know whether it's the same all over the world, but we have um, certain natural therapy style um, shops that you can go to and usually they have somebody there who is a naturopath or like specialist health store or is yeah. trained upskilled in some sort of way to be able to know the benefits and be able to ha- give you suggestions on these supplements to take under what under what circumstances have you taken them can you share yeah I, I took them back when I was seeing a naturopath when I was trying to figure out what was happening, I was having a lot of digestive problems. Um, Endo-related? Well, I think partly that, but there was also some um, food sensitivities that I was trying to figure out. Yeah. Um, so I started taking them around there just to help my gut and help my system get going. Um, at the time, there was a time there that we were thinking that it could have leaky gut. Um as well so yeah it just wasn't um like yeah it wasn't very 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 good environment my my gut at the time i think so it was just to help yeah and did they yeah they did yeah they did help i wouldn't say you know again i I don't know the science behind it um i haven't really looked into it studied it i don't still take them i don't currently take them were they prescribed to you at the time yes okay so not something you, not a decision you made yourself, but like, hey, specialist help, yeah. start here. Boom. And there's certain tests, you know, like I, I got a, um, had a test with my naturopath who also realised that I was low in zinc. Um, so there's certain tests that they can do to see if you're deficient in different things and, and boost it up. But I don't currently take that supplement. Um, there's There are de- definitely a few supplements I, I take, but yeah, I, I'm not currently taking a probiotic. Okay. 
Uh, next question. Yes. This is a real quick one. Why do leg extensions hurt so much? Why does any exercise hurt so much? Because you're yeah. pushing hard. I like the extension. I, you, you say I do like or I don't like? I do. Are they on your program right now? No. Nah. Would you like them to be? Yeah. You've got me to hot shot it in there for you. I, I really like leg extensions. I actually find that um, hamstrings, so like a leg curl, seated leg hamstring curl, oh, talk about pain. Well, you might also find just, I'll get a bit serious with this one. Um, everyone has different exercises that hit them in different ways. Yeah. So there's certain exercises that will just completely trash a person or really sort of bite into the muscle. You know, maybe maybe for Laura, it's leg extensions. For me, it is indeed hamstring curls. Fucking hell. Yeah. It's like I'm being stabbed up the back of my leg. Yep. Can't answer that one for you. Sorry, but um, keep en- at it. En- enjoy. Yep. Uh, last one from Laura. I uh, It relates to eating within 30 minutes of waking. How much or what should we eat right away in the morning? Does it have to be a whole meal? Can it just be a banana or a handful of grapes? I would love some suggestions for quick options. I'm not a morning person. I need a good 45 minutes with my coffee to wake up and have any kind of motivation for the day ahead of me. Courtney, what should she eat in the morning? Something. I would start, if you are somebody who struggles, this, this happens a lot and it happened to me years ago when when I first started as well, I was not a big eater in the morning. I think there's a lot of people that develop a habit of not eating in the morning. Hello, my hand's fully raised. Yep. So I think the, the best option to begin with is just to eat something. So just start developing the habit of eating something in the morning. Some people don't eat anything at all to start off with. They might um, have a smoothie. Um, and then they'll develop into whole food after that. Um, and that, and that's fine. I definitely wouldn't have a smoothie for breakfast forever because you'll get to the stage where it won't fill you. I'll tell you what, though. It can be a great place to start. I think it's a fantastic place to thing. start. Here's the thing. A smoothie versus nothing, I call that an improvement. I think I would go more for a smoothie than, say, a banana or a handful of grapes just because... That it's not going to sustain you and you've got no protein in there. Now, I'm glad you said that word. Um, there is there is research that shows a, a high-protein breakfast can greatly improve um, the ability to burn fat, build muscle. Yeah. Um, starting at first thing in the morning. Um, so the whole of, you know, what should people be eating right away? Me personally, I'm starting with something high-protein. Yeah. For me... Whether you drink it or eat it, like doesn't matter because versus having nothing, nothing. Yeah. it's an improvement. Because the thing is, right now, I could sit here and go, well, well, Matt, this morning for breakfast, literally this morning before we recorded this podcast, I had barbecue chicken and stir fried vegetables that I stir fried myself for breakfast. First thing when I got up. Yeah, I had an omelette. Now, did I start there when I first started doing this years ago? Was that my breakfast? No, my breakfast was fucking nothing. Mm. Then it was McDonald's. Then it was nothing. Then it was cereal. Then it was a smoothie. Then it was whole food. Yeah. So I've got to be. I've got to make sure I'm very careful. Saying, well, this is what I had this morning. It didn't start there. So I was the same. If someone starts, and their breakfast is usually oxygen, followed by coffee, then even drinking something nutritious, like Courtney said before, a smoothie, like high five, because what you're doing there is you're building the habit. Yeah, my brother went through a big, long stage. For years, he wouldn't eat breakfast. Years. And now he's got to the stage where he'll have a smoothie every morning for breakfast. Better than nothing. And it's working really well for him. So I think that that's a really good place to start if you're someone who really, really shudders at the idea of having anything in the morning. Yep, start small. I think for me, I didn't ever go to the the smoothie. I think um, off memory, I went from nothing to toast. Probably back to nothing. And then I started to have toast with um, like um, cheese and tomato on it. What about Vegemite and cheese? No, I was never a Vegemite and cheese person. What a fake Australian. Vegemite on its own. I don't see a reason to put cheese with it. It's just unnecessary. And you think you know someone. (laughs) And for those... um, who are not Australian, Vegemite is a spread that we put on 
toast uh, or sandwiches. I'm sure, and I'm sure is, anyone listening who's not Australian knows what Vegemite is. Yeah, because it's, it's horrid. A, it's, they try it. Hang and on, hang on. It's horrid? It's what? horrid on its own. The problem is, right, I've seen people like on those talk shows and they give somebody Vegemite and then they'll take a massive spoonful oh, and just try much. to eat it. Yeah. And, you think, and then they say, oh, it's disgusting. Of course it's disgusting. Don't eat it like that's not Nutella. Like you can't <laughs> eat it like that. <laughs> but anyway, off topic, I went through toast and then I started to have eggs on toast and then I, st- and then I got rid of the toast and developed more of omelettes. So I'd put like vegetables or, you know. Salad. Salads in my omelette. Omelet. Yeah. yeah. And now that omelettes tend to be my go-to for breakfast, but that's just me. Um, sometimes I mix it up. I think the twofold here, I think one is, as Matt said, make sure you're incorporating some sort of protein into your into your breakfast. It doesn't matter really what it is. If you're developing the, the habit of even just having breakfast, it doesn't matter what it is. So, yes, if it's easier for you to start off with to drink it, drink it. Yeah, go for it. What's we tell our clients too? Yeah. I think that the other thing to remember is what Matt touched on just before when he mentioned what he had for breakfast is we have to start to lose this concept that there's only – a select couple of things that we're allowed to have for breakfast that are mm. breakfast foods. So just Must because be just because that the ads on TV tell us that cereal is for breakfast doesn't mean that the that's cereal is for fucking breakfast. No, all you're allowed to have for breakfast. Mm. So yes, traditionally, I think a lot of people would ha- see cereal, toast, eggs as breakfast food. I did growing up, yeah. But that we have to start to to lose that that idea and yep. start to remember that you can have anything you want for breakfast. Okay, let here's a good exercise for us. Can you share some of the most non-standard things you've had for breakfast that you can recall? Like I've had steak. Steak and vegetables. I've had steak and vegetables yeah, for breakfast. Leftover from dinner. No, I've, I've cooked up brand new steak uh, for breakfast. Uh, slow cooker meals a lot yep. for breakfast. So like a Chili beef con-con. stew or something like that. Beef ragu. Yep. Yep. They tend to be my ones. It, honestly, when it comes down to it, um, food is food and good food is good food regardless of time of the day. Yeah. So you don't – yeah, try not to – if you're someone who doesn't mind eating in the morning but you're not sure what to have, have try whatever, to – Whatever the fuck you try want. Try to lose that conception that has to be what what we've always been told is breakfast-style food. As Matt said, food is food. You can yep. have anything you want to have. Yep. But definitely try to incorporate – Protein in your breakfast. Yeah, um, I would say to someone who's not used to having breakfast, simple as this: start small and yeah, um, get some protein in there. So get some good protein powder if you're going to have some, you know, a breakfast smoothie. A smoothie, yeah. And um, that way you can make sure that you've definitely got some protein in yeah. in the smoothie. Well done. Um, all right, uh, a question for Courtney from Cadence. Courtney, is there a follow-up anywhere to the episode about you talking about your anxiety relating to clothing choices? I'm curious if that's improved. Thanks for the podcast. Great question. Great question. Um, I don't just – I'm going to say one thing and then shut up. We have not done a follow-up about that. Let's do it right now. <laughs> um, no, we have not done a follow-up about that. Has it, imp- has it improved? It definitely – it has improved, but it goes through waves. I think that it's not something that I think um, someone who suffers from anxiety generally, I don't think it's something that I'm ever going to 100% get out of constantly. Um, the habit of overthinking and, and, and suffering from anxiety for me is, is going to be with me, I think, forever. And it's just about me managing it in different ways. In terms of... Um, anxiety about clothes clothing choices I definitely go through waves of that it just it really depends because even though I'm in a good place and I'm, I'm happy with where I'm at and I'm, I'm healthier than ever and I exercise I'm still going to have days that I think I'm fat it goes through my head it's um part of the baggage of, of having an overweight background is you can have fat days yep there's going to be days that I look in the mirror and I don't think that I look as good as I should and that's just and, – and do I look different to the day before? No. But for some reason, I'm just going to wake up that day and just not be over ex- overly excited about the way that I look. But it also goes the other way too, doesn't it? It does. So more often than not, I have no problem 
with the way that I look and I have minimal to no anxiety about what I wear but there are definitely days that that I'm not going to lie that I'm you know I still um, have anxiety around it you're only human would you say it's improved yeah absolutely what do you think has has led to that I think for me always when I find improvements in my anxiety it's all about awareness of a problem and the feeling that I get at the time so I can have a really good perspective about what's happening and also just the acknowledgement that I'm not always going to be happy and I'm not always going to love what I see in the mirror but I'm I just have to accept that, that some days I'm just going to feel fat. And I think that when you go through a process of of weight loss and you have this conception that you're just going to be happy and feel beautiful all the time. It's a bit delusional, isn't it? But you're not going to. There are definitely going to be some days. And I think also understanding that there's nothing wrong with me for thinking that. Mm. So I think that there was a time there I thought there was always something wrong with me because I would have these days where I would still feel fat or I, you know, have a bit of a warped idea of what I look like. But Did, did you think you may have had like the, the whole happy, happily ever after mentality? Like oh, I'll get to a certain weight or a certain goal and I'll be all oh, absolutely. smooth sailing you from think there? That. Yeah, for sure. Yep. For sure, you think, oh well, oh, I'll just like, I'll just get here and then I'll be and then I'll be sweet, problem free. Yeah, I'm never gonna have a fluctuating weight and I'm never gonna have bad habits come in. It's just gonna be solved, problem solved. <laughs> Especially for me, I feel like my personality is very much a see a problem, fix a problem. Mm. Whereas this isn't something that can just be fixed forever. So well, it's something you're constantly working on, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, it's it it doesn't it it it's, there's no finish line. No. And it's very easy as much as I speak about, you know, look at the other things that you're, that you're incorporating, like I'm healthy, um, you know, I'm strong. I'm capable. I'm a capable person, you know. You don't I'm, get sick. No, I don't get sick. You know, these are the sort of things that, yes, we always talk about remembering in those times. But, you know, ultimately if you – your brain will always go to the first – the biggest thing, which is, how do I look? Standard, though. Yeah. So constantly trying to remind myself in those, when I do have those particular days where I don't particularly think that I look very good. Um, and I am and I think as well, having, you know, different things in our lives, especially being female and males would go through it too. Because if you eat the wrong thing, some people, you, you'll get puffy and bloated. Oh, yeah. If oh, you, yeah. You know, being female, some 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 of us around our menstrual cycle will get puffy and bloated. Um, having endometriosis means that 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 period of time for me personally is a bit longer. Can we give a shout out to Whale Week? Yeah, yeah. I used to call it Whale Week, but it really was like Whale Three Weeks. Yeah. Um, I used to joke that I have one good week out of every month where I think my body looks like it. Should. I did think you were joking when you told me that. No. You seem pretty serious. But, I mean, that's just – and, and every, every month is going to be different for me. Yeah. Um, the severity of it is going to be different. Having food intolerances on top of that, if I eat the wrong thing, that's going to – You blow up. Add to it. Mm. So there's all these factors that do add to it, which means that there are definitely there's 100% going to be days where I think that I look terrible. Bingo. Said 100%. Um, and I think, yeah, just, just trying to have some realization around that. And then, you know, the anxiety in the actual choosing of clothes, I don't think that's ever going to completely go away because if I feel like I don't look good that day, it does make deciding what to wear more challenging. It's in your head. Yeah. Can I tell you something? You are beautiful to me every day. Oh, thank you. Next one. Yes. All right. Um, Three questions here from Kelly, then I reckon we will uh, call it a show because guess what? We're doing two parts. We're doing this in two parts because we've got so many effing questions. We could either be here literally all day, uh, no, or we can actually have a bonus second Q&A. So, hey, we're announcing it right now. There's another one coming next week. Yes. So, Kelly has given us three questions. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
Question number one, what is the best way to return to exercise after sickness has put you on your ass and has affected your ability to perform like you did before you got sick? I know the best way to return to exercise. Mm-hmm. Just fucking start, mate. Yeah. Just fucking start and just see whatever you got, you got. It is what it is. Mm-hmm. Just go in, give it your best and keep the habit going. Yeah, I remember days um, years ago when I was sick and, and I would go in to do a leg session and mm. I'd get through two, the first two exercises and I was done. And you know what though? That is okay. Yes. Because you're, you're keeping the habit going, yes. aren't you? Yep. Mm-hmm. Or I was able to go in and do my leg session, but I had to put all my weights back down. Okay. Which is also okay. Yep. You got to work within your body and what it's capable of doing. Yep. There's there's definitely something to be avoided in terms of telling yourself that everything has to be a hundred percent. Everything has to be back to normal as quickly as possible. Better than or, it was or before. Better than it was before. That's not how this fucking works. Not there's, how the there, human body works. There's ups and downs. There's gives and takes. There's steps forward. There's steps backward. There's steps sideways. Yeah. Um, best way to return to exercise after sickness is to return to exercise. Yeah. Um, I, I, I'm done. Yeah. I mean, it's just to get back into it, come up with a bit of a, a routine for it. So you might return into the gym. I mean, ultimately getting back into weights is going to be a big priority. So you might get back into weights and instead of doing cardio you know, for the first couple of weeks, you might just do walks, um, build yeah. it back up that way. But I think as well, I think, Matt, you hit the nail on the head. I think it's it's really delusional of us to think that we're going to go through any sort of sickness or any downtime and come back and be able to lift the same or what we did beforehand. That's, that's, that's not how performance works. So the best thing that you can do is to get back into the gym, mm. put your weights back down, do, just do what you can. And just do what you can. What and you if can. you do one set and there's no – there's you might just do that first week in the back in the gym as a bit of a lay of the land, what's my body got in me. You might be surprised. You might start and you might put the weights down and think, now that was easy, and you might actually go back up to what you were before. Yep. But you may not, and that's totally fine as well. It's, it's the doing yeah. that is the important part there. Remember, the, the weights you lifted at the gym aren't going to be on the trophy at the end of the day. It doesn't matter. Nice one. Uh, I've been led to believe in the past that carbs are the devil and people trying to lose weight should avoid them. Is this accurate? And why should I be eating them? Can I just please, I need to get this off my chest. Anyone who tries to make you believe that is full of shit. Straight up, full of shit. You need to tell them to please shut the fuck up, get out of my face, and never talk to me again. They're not your friend. So that is that is wholly inaccurate. Need to say, carbohydrate is the primary fuel source of the human body. Mm-hmm. Like, what more would you like to know? It dictates energy levels. It dictates training performance. It dictates recovery from training. The, the, the phrase or the analogy I've always used is cutting out your carbs is like taking your car for a drive without putting fuel back into it. See how fucking far you go. Mm. Which is why these fucking dickheads talking about, oh, keto, like get out of my face. Like the only way I would prescribe to someone, yes, you can probably afford to, quote, cut your carbs, is if you don't plan on living an active life. Yeah, you'd if never you, want to exercise. If you want, well, not just that, but being out with your friends, being out with your kids. If you want the couch life, then you probably don't need carbs. If you want anything involving moving your body, I got news for you, you need carbs. And I've, I've said this earlier in this episode, vegetables are carbs. Yeah, they are. So when someone says to me, oh, cut all carbs, what, don't eat vegetables? Mm-hmm. Like, what? Um, rant over, Courtney. It's like <laughs> just bringing in with some niceness. Like this, this shit just triggers me. Well, I mean, ultimately, that I think you've just hit the nail on the head. So why should be you be eating them? Well, that's just exactly why. Recovery, performance, energy levels, but also um, improved body composition. Yeah. Um, and I, I should also just want to want to mention, as a type two diabetic, I'm sitting here saying you need to have your carbs. Yeah. 
And remember as well, like everything, there's differences in the quality of carbs. Like know, there's oh, differences in the quality of protein. I am so glad you said that because this then, this is the thing with cutting all carbs. The whole concept, that bullshit around it, implies that all carbs are created yeah. equally. No, they're fucking not. It's a generalisation of a term. It's, it's like hideous. saying, you know, weight loss is just calories in versus calories out. What's the problem with you? Agreed. Like it's, it's a generalised notion. Mm. So carbs are not created equally. There are different oh, carbs. Oh, no. Well, not just that, but the, the different actual quality on the yes. spectrum. Like, put it this way. Let me give you two examples of carbohydrates. Brussels sprouts and pizza crust. Yeah. Okay. Are they going to do the same thing? Now, they Probably are both, not. If we're going to look into technicalities, those they are both carbs. It's not technicalities. They are both carbohydrates. Well, sources. if we're going to go down, you know, yeah. to, the, to the fine detail here, they are both sources of carbohydrate. Yeah. But they're both very different. I can know if they are. So it's it's the same thing as saying, you know, well, you, do you want to eat a banana or do you want to eat white bread? Mm. Both carbohydrate sources, different, very different. Different nutritional values. Yes. I, I look at it where you've – anyone that tries to tell you, like, hey, you want to lose weight, you should cut carbs. First thing I think of is, well, you don't know actually about weight loss. Secondly, diet mentality. Well, it actually, it, to me, it, it also means that you don't know what carbs are. You well, actually don't know what carbs well. are. Yeah, but this, this just goes to the whole fucking bullshit of diet mentalities of like, you know, avoid this, cut that, remove that. That's dumb. Yeah. dumb. So there's some high energy intake in a lot of carbs, but they have a place. They have to have a place. Yeah. With most foods, it is more, not about cutting or removing them, it's about finding appropriate homes for them within the framework of what a person is trying to achieve. Yes. So if someone wants to look better and function better and feel better and wants to cut carbs, those two things aren't going to work. They're not going to go together. No. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm done. Yeah. We'll, we'll end that one there. All right, last question. All right, last question. And this one's been saved for last because if you have no interest in video games, um, thanks for listening. Uh, we'll we'll speak to you next week because the last question is one for myself. What is your favourite Super Nintendo game and why? Mm. Now, okay, I want to just illustrate that there is a difference between my favourite and the best because my favourite Super Nintendo game is not the best Super Nintendo game, but it's my personal favourite. My personal favourite is the original Donkey Kong Country. Yes. Now, I can't even sit here and tell you it's the best Donkey Kong Country game because the second one's the best Donkey Kong Country game. The first one's my favourite and my favourite Super Nintendo game. Why? When it came out in 1994, it just hit me at the right time in the right feels where it just looked incredible for a 16-bit game. The soundtrack was magnificent. Um... I can't even sit here and say it played as well as Super Mario World. Like, of course it didn't. It, I just fucking loved it. And even today, I go back and play it every year. I can run through it. I still know where all the secrets are. Like, it's still 100% the whole game. Like, nothing has <laughs> changed. Nothing has changed. Donkey Kong Country is my favorite Super Nintendo game. It's not the best Super Nintendo game. I can give you 20 that are better. Including, like I said, Donkey Kong Country 2. But I love it so. I love it so much. Good. Done. Okay. Excellent. I'm so, glad we got that off your chest. Great question um, here on the video game podcast, the retro game podcast. So we'll, we'll, call, it a, we'll call it a day here, Courtney. Yes. We'll move on to part two next week. So as we said before, we will have a second Q&A coming next week because we've had quite a lot of questions and we don't plan on sitting here all day so yeah great questions uh for those of you who sent them in um please again feel free to continue hitting us with questions like whenever you want don't just wait for the for the q a episodes to yeah, the call out to, to come out for that email us at podcast at the weightlosspodcast.com you can also ask us in our Facebook group over at facebook.com, the Weight Loss Podcast Facebook group. You'll find a link for that in in the app, in your podcast app. Just click it and, hey, there we are. Uh, or Instagram. Yes. 
Instagram, the Weight Loss Podcast. So that's it for now. Thanks for hanging out with us and we'll see you soon. Bye. Are you ready to share your success? Head over to our website for full access to our show notes, resources based on today's topic, and links to our Facebook group so you can share your story with our hosts and many others out there who are looking to achieve and maintain their health and fitness goals. You can find all that and more exclusively at theweightlosspodcast.com. 